Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. I'm going to dive right in this morning by letting you know that um, underneath your seat is a very generous gift to you this morning. There is a two pence coin. A little bit of feedback. Um, And you can take that out if you want to. Um, We put it there a couple of days ago, COVID safe. Or if you're at home, if you've got any coins rattling around, they're pretty rare these days, aren't they? Um, Why not grab one, have it to hand, and I will explain why as we go along. (laughs) So throughout history, coins have depicted on two sides two important facets of a country's governance and identity. So two important ideas in one coin. And in the case of the two pence piece, in case you're interested, we have the queen's head on one side. You've got the newer coin. You'll have part of the um, royal banner of Scotland with the lion on the other side. And if you've got the older coin, it's um, the badge of the Prince of Wales with the feathers. So, two important um, parts of our royal governance and identity in one coin. It seems to me that the Bible often brings together two different ideas, sometimes seemingly opposing, and shows how they are related. So, for example, when Jesus is asked um, by the Jewish people whether they should pay taxes to their oppressive rulers, um, he takes a coin, and with reference to Caesar's head on one side of it, he says that the Jewish people should give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Um, he doesn't separate the idea of honouring earthly authority and honouring God. They are two sides of the same coin. They both honour God and both are right. Um, there are loads of examples in Scripture a bit like this um, where different ideas are drawn together, but the one I'm going to look at today is that in this life, we will have to walk through a life that may be filled with suffering on one side of the coin and to practice a life of rejoicing in God as the other side of that coin. We need to know that both are normal parts of this life and we honour God by walking through both of them well. So hopefully you've got your coin, whether you're at home or sat in the room. Um, And as you turn it over in your hands while I'm talking, um, hopefully it'll help you think about the one thing I want to communicate, and that is that dealing with anxiety or any kind of suffering um, is, and also rejoicing in God are two sides of the same coin and both honour God. So let's read our passage together. It's from Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I first realised that this was the passage I was going to preach on, I put my head down on our dining room table and groaned. I sometimes mistake these words for someone saying to me, "Um, Jen, I know you've had a terrible week, but let's put on our smiles and go and praise the Lord. As if the passage is somehow encouraging us to be fake about what's going on. If you've ever thought that, let me say quite emphatically, 
This passage and all of scripture point us far away from the idea that God wants our fake smiles and pretend praise. This passage communicates so many things, but we'll be focusing on the fact that God asks us to live a life of rejoicing, one side of that coin, in the face of anxiety and any kind of suffering, the other side of that coin. It's asking us to pray during the tough experiences of life and to express thankfulness through them. We might be tempted to think this is a really challenging um, way to live, but I actually think it's a huge gift of grace from God, as I hope to make clear. Let's, look by, let's start by looking at cultural expectations of suffering versus no suffering. Romans 8.17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. Biblically, the expectation laid out for Christians is that they not only get to share in the wonderful glory of Christ, but also they will, in this life, share in his sufferings. Whether you're sat here in the room or at home as someone that doesn't have any faith or whether you are a devoted follower of Jesus, the simple fact of life is that you are going to face challenges and pain, whether that is a direct consequence to following Jesus or whether it's just default um, of living in a fallen and imperfect world. Do we really know this? I think our generation is given a different message of live your best life. Are you living your best life? Look at them, they're living their best lives. Come on, let's live our best lives. And I think it can become an expectation that is difficult to live up to. If your perspective is that you should be living a smooth, fun, adventurous, glamorous, insta-worthy life all the time, it's possible that when you don't, you may endure feelings of isolation, confusion and shame unnecessarily. I know I have been tempted down this line before. What about you? Today, let's lift this heavy pressure and remind ourselves that we don't need to be living our best life. We simply ask to be faithful, to walk closely with God and pray, even and especially through any kind of suffering. Don't get me wrong, I love an adventure as much as the next person. I'm an outdoor girl, I've had adventures in rainforests and in cowgirl country and in remote, beautiful villages. I love nothing better than being in the sea on my paddleboard up a mountain. But that is not the focus of my life. We live in a warped world of insta-beauty and FOMO, fear of missing out on anything. And I'm just saying that the biblical model is different. Jesus promised us that we would have trouble. I actually find that really comforting because it normalizes some of the struggles that we go through. And he also said he'd overcome it. He'd overcome those troubles. And in him, we would overcome those troubles. And that is good news. There are times when we overcome challenges quickly. There is power in the name of Jesus for huge things to shift in a moment. And then there are times when we overcome things more slowly. And that's more about what I'm talking about today, the journey of overcoming the impact of difficulties. 
So if you're in a rough season, that is really hard. But according to Jesus, it is to be expected. And he wants to walk through this with you. The question is, how will you deal with suffering when it comes your way? Paul says that we deal with anxiety and difficulty by, in every situation, praying to God. Over the last five years, just be a moment. (laughs) Um, Maybe another one. Dan and I found ourselves in the midst of three parallel processes of grief and loss. There are three different situations. Where we are in the process of losing precious people and precious hope. In the midst of these losses, I have faced disappointment, fear, anger, sadness, the very real threat of bitterness and shame. It has been a really hard season. And unfortunately, there is no end in sight for any of those situations. I have felt very lonely at times. I've wondered what God is doing in my life, sometimes with sadness and sometimes with anger. However, isn't it good to get to however? I've walked with Jesus for almost 20 years and I know that life is found in staying connected to God. And in this season, God has wrestled with me to stay praying. Like Paul says, in everything by prayer. And I have found myself praying, not fluffy, pious prayers, but gutsy, sometimes raging, sometimes silent prayers into my pillow, often tear-drenched prayers. And through those prayers, finding God's peace. (laughs) and also finding utter joy in his presence, times of such delight and beautiful strength, even hope. This extraordinary experience in the midst of such pain has confirmed for me that there is nothing on this planet that can compare with walking with Jesus and allowing him to guide us. It does not equal an easy life but it does equal a very rich life in him and one where we can find true peace and that is in our connection with our creator. It is a single life with two sides like a coin. This two-sided life is one of suffering and rejoicing. I know that there'll be others in this room, perhaps watching at home, who are walking through difficult times, dealing very much with the suffering side of this coin. So many challenges going on in relationship breakdown, grief and loss, anxiety, depression, financial fears, major health crises, concerns in your families, the ongoing relentlessness of pandemic separation, 
or for some, there are many things that just add up to a hard grind. If that is you, how can you, in this challenging, terribly painful season that you're in, stay connected with God and rejoice in him? <clears throat> Excuse my sniffing. Uh, you might remember in Philippians chapter 2 from a few weeks ago that Paul openly expressed that he had experienced sorrow and anxiety. So he was not immune to that, and he was honest about it. In fact, the Bible does not gloss over people experiencing difficult emotions during suffering at all. That is the first side of the coin. But neither is it shy about appealing to us to worship God and rejoice in him. That is the second side of the coin. So we're gonna look at both of those from um, various biblical passages. So, have a listen to the experience of five people from scripture. There's Joseph in the Old Testament who suffered terrible betrayal and rejection by his family. In the process of reconciling a long time later, he experienced the pain of it all over again and is described as breaking down and weeping. And at one point, he wept so openly and loudly that everyone in the palace could hear him. What about the, prof the prophet Habakkuk, who called on God saying, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Lord, are you not from everlasting? Why are you silent? What about Hannah, who could not conceive a child, and it seems that her crying out to God was so raw and honest that a priest thought she was drunk? Potentially something to live up to. We've already looked at Paul admitting to sorrow and anxiety, and then Jesus, our great model, who told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then on the cross, crying out in anguish, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The biblical model for responding to human experience and suffering is essentially this. Get it all out, but particularly get it all out in the presence of God. In our passage in Philippians, we read, in every situation by prayer, present your requests to God. And let's not forget, forget that prayer is simply communicating with God. Of course, petitions, intercessions are important parts of a prayer life, but at its utter foundation, prayer is just talking to God and listening to him. Pete Gregg says about places of prayer that they are first and foremost a living room where the father waits for his children to come and climb into his arms. The space where you pray, wherever that is, is a place of intimacy where you are allowed to know God as father and talk about whatever you want to. Prayer is simply talking to God. You don't need to say anything fancy or fake. So the Bible gives us stories and poems and letters that model something quite exceptional about prayer. When it comes to God, you don't hide how you feel from him. You are to bring him every last emotion. You could say something quite simple like, God, I'm really angry. Or what about, please help me to talk to you about this. Or if you're naturally a bit more wordy, Lord, in the Bible, I see you doing these wonderful things. I see that you are loving and powerful and that you are good. And yet in this situation in my life, it just seems so different. It feels like you're not doing anything. I feel really angry and sad about that. I don't understand what are you doing. 
All these conversations are honoring to God. They are honoring to his character as someone who will listen to us. They are honoring to what you've seen him do in scripture. And they ask honest questions, just like Habakkuk did, and just like Jesus did on the cross. So I ask you the question, in the midst of your suffering, how can you keep a strong connection with God, with Jesus, and rejoice in him? And the first half of the answer, the first side of the coin is this, stay ruthlessly honest with him. Personally, when I've cried or raged about something, in the full knowledge that my kind Jesus hears every word, I do experience such peace. Sometimes I even laugh. Oh my goodness, you can hear me, you know every detail. Or even through tears, Jesus, thank you that you don't leave me just because I'm telling you how it is. Thank you that you welcome me. And that brings us to the second side of the coin, to rejoicing in the Lord. Bit of a strange word, one I don't think we really see or use anywhere outside of the Bible. It means to feel or show great joy or delight in something or someone. Our scripture tells us to show great joy and delight in God. And in thinking about our anxiety or any difficulty, to offer our prayers with thankfulness. How do we do that? If you're sat here today suffering and struggling, there are two things going on, like two sides of a coin. One true, th- one true thing is you're likely in pain. The other true thing is that God is good. He is for you and he loves you. Just as we don't ignore the first side of that coin, we don't pretend with God that we're not suffering. We also don't ignore the second side of that coin. We don't ignore the goodness of God. Do you remember what we looked at in Philippians chapter 1 a few weeks ago? We're going to dive back into some reasons to rejoice in God that Paul gave us and then look at some practical ways to do that. And this is the second side of that coin. We learned that Paul longed for the Philippian church with the affection of Christ Jesus. So before we even think about worshipping God or rejoicing in him, let's get our perspective right. There is such a thing as the affection of Christ Jesus. What does that even look like or sound like? He is utterly good and kind and the kind of God that would die for us. One day we'll experience his affection in all its fullness. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be polite or British. It's going to be like the father who runs to his long lost son. There's going to be arms thrown around us. There's going to be a party. But we can start to know that now too. Let's worship God and show great joy and delight because his affection for us is right here, right now, all the time. And when we let that sink in, that can delight our hearts and we can turn delight into joyful worship. Paul also told us that we all share in God's grace. It can be hard to find grace in a hard season. So why don't we ask God to reveal his grace to us? Simple prayer, where's your grace? And remind ourselves of the gospel, that is the grace message. This life is not all there is. Jesus came to die for you in this room and for you at home so that you could be utterly forgiven and united with the Father 
not just in this life, but in the next one too. And we just cannot compare the glories and the joy of what will be with what we're going through now. I don't say that lightly. It's not to diminish your pain and it's not to diminish mine. They are both real and they need God's attention. But there is more for you in this life and the next. And when we let that sink in, that can delight our hearts and we can turn delight to joyful worship. And that brings me to Paul's final reason to rejoice in God. He's not finished with you. The reason, no, this season of your life is not the final word. Brothers and sisters, none of us can pretend to know what each other are really going through. But we can all know this is not the final word. God is going to carry on a good work in your life until it is completed. Will you give him space to do that? Will we let his plan sink in? This can delight our hearts and we can turn delight to joyful worship. What about the practicalities? A few ideas of how to stay rejoicing and delighting in God. Keep singing. Either come to church and allow others to sing over you and for you, especially in this COVID season, or watch church online and sing your heart out in your sitting room. It is a great way to keep truth in your mind and your heart. Keep hearing God. Find a Bible devotional tool that works for you and just stay faithful to it. I started Bible in one year, six months ago. It's a phone app with text, or you can listen to it. Um, Or there's a book version as well. And I can't tell you how much joy has come from having a daily input of God's word, particularly with a really cheerful narrator like Nicky Gumbel giving his insight. Keep connected to nature. Look up at the night sky. Walk through gorgeous woods and pretty meadows. Watch wild animals. Hang out with dogs. Remind yourself of how great our creator is, what power and intelligence and goodness is in him. Delight in his creation and delight in him through it. So, how do we join all this together and experience that peace that God promises? This is the coin in all its fullness. Coin side one, we experience difficulty and we express it openly and honestly. In that honesty, a release can come in our very foundation, our connection with our creator. And we can start to thank him simply because he is with us and he hears us. Trust is built and peace comes. Coin side two. We also rejoice in him because he is so worthy and because it's good for us. We remember all that is good about who he is, all that he has done, and all that is still yet to come in him. And in the process of all this honesty and thankfulness, we open the way for God's peace to come. This peace is a supernatural act of God, and I think it's a natural developing process of what happens when we walk closely and honestly with him. God wants to teach us how to find that closeness with him that brings peace as we journey with him daily. It's not an overnight process necessarily. Paul says there is a promise. In anxiety, through prayer and rejoicing, peace is the result. 
who needs peace. I'm going to pray, and then if there's still time, um, we're going to worship. And I just want to say um, a note about the song we're going to sing. It's one, I actually can't remember the name. It talks about God being good and you're never going to let me down. And the woman who wrote this is an American singer-songwriter, and um, she grew up in a beautiful Christian home with parents that loved each other and all knew Jesus. And um, she described it as it was a life of like the Waltons. And then as, uh, I think, early 20s, maybe, her parents divorced, and it totally rocked her world, and she felt completely let down. Um, And I think I just want to say that sometimes it's quite hard to sing it can be hard to sing, you're never going to let me down. But the focus of the songwriter and for all of us is not about circumstances, because circumstances can let us down, people can let us down. But God never leaves us, and that is the point. We can sing about his goodness because he doesn't let us down. So, let me pray. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're real, just like Josh says, the most reasonable answer in history and science. Thank you so much for that. Thank you that because of that, because of how real you are, we can rely on you emotionally. And in hard times, we can come to you and we can be ruthlessly honest because you have broad shoulders and you are able to hear. And it doesn't break our connection with you. You want to hear us. And you want to give us peace. Thank you that we can rejoice in you and be thankful because you are good. And I want to pray for everyone in this room and everyone at home or listening in the future. God, wherever they're at, Lord, I pray that you would meet with them this morning and give them peace. And Lord, we pray for those that don't know you. If you don't know Jesus this morning, but you want to know peace, it's as simple as saying, God, if you're real, Jesus, if you're real, please come and meet with me. Show yourself to me. And we do pray, Jesus, that you would meet with all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.